On the block, on demand. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer, yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin, Stone Cold! Somebody in Vegas told him they were going to win by 20! The Bills make me want to Taylor, going to take his shot, throwing in zone, he's got weapons, touchdown! They didn't look in the group, boy! This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. Ah! The! Air! Here on ESPN Radio. 97.7. 100.1. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Oh, we love Utica. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board as always. You can listen on the internet. It's a beautiful thing. They even have it on computers now, ESPNSyracuse.com. You can also take the app with you wherever you go. See, I was doing this today. I had a bunch of places to go in the afternoon, going here, going there. And I had the app with me, and I was listening on the app because I was getting in and out of the car and doing some things. And I just I put the station on the app, and wherever I went, it was with me. It was a beautiful thing. You should do the same thing. So you have the ESPN app on your phone, right? You just find the Listen tab. You punch in ESPN Syracuse, and away you go. Except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. Don't do that. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. If you'd like to reach us there where the show never stops, you can also use the On the Block text line at 288-0644. John Jastrzemski, WFAN, will join us in about 15 minutes. As you know, Yankee fans, in case you don't, Joe Girardi, no longer the manager of your New York Yankees. So we'll get your reaction to that. I'll talk to Super Yankee fan Seth about that later in the show. Not a surprise because we've heard the speculation and the Yankees really didn't do anything to, you know, squash that speculation. And then, you know, the Yankees went a little further in the postseason than people thought. And then they got to the American League Championship Series. They're not going to fire Joe Girardi, but maybe Joe Girardi would leave on his own account. It seems more the Yankees, they didn't fire him, but they certainly came to an understanding of you're not managing here anymore. So who will the Yankees bring in? And this is fascinating to me that we are in an era, we are in a time as we speak, three teams that won over 90 games, three teams that made the postseason, one of which made the American League Championship Series and was a win away from the World Series. They're like, that's not good enough. We need a new manager in this place, at least with the Washington Nationals you got to get by the divisional series. And Dusty Baker was never the right manager there. The Red Sox and John Farrell had seen enough of each other. They had had a lot of success, won a World Series, won back-to-back division titles. But, you know, when you have management in place that wants their own guy, and Dave Dombrowski wanted his own guy, and, you know, there were things about Farrell that you could, you know, kind of nitpick about. The fan base wasn't a fan of him. It's like, this is the Boston Red Sox. We can get somebody to manage this team. What was it about the Yankees and Girardi where they got to this point? 
despite having an amazing young core and a team that looks like it could be contending for the World Series for the next decade and everything going right, the fan base back on board, an amazing postseason run. How do we get to this point? So we will dive into that. Who are some candidates to replace Girardi? We'll also talk some Giants and Jets with our buddy John Jastrzemski, JJ, WFAN in New York, coming up later this hour. We'll do hot takes as usual. Hot takes, I always look forward to. I'm really looking forward to it today. we got some good meaty stuff hanging off the bone there. We'll talk some Syracuse hoops today, ACC Media Day wrapping up. The Orange pick to finish 10th in ACC standings. There are no Orange on the first or second team, all ACC, and it just kind of feeds into this underdog narrative that Syracuse can lean on this year. So we'll do that and more. But I do want to start with the World Series last night, one of the craziest baseball games you'll ever see. Gonzalez hits one in the air into left center field. Back at the wall, and it's gone! Tie game in the ninth, Marwin Gonzalez. Tenth inning, Altuve into left center field. Back at the wall, and it's gone! Jose Altuve has put Houston on top. Here's one into left center field off the bat of Correa. Altuve and Correa go back to back. And it's 5-3 here in the 10th inning with Houston on top. To Springer. It is gone. Springer goes deep. And the Astros are back on top by two. I'm glad we talked to our friend Jared Diamond on the show yesterday. Syracuse grad now with the Wall Street Journal because it said, Jared, my man, game one, just two and a half hours. It was a beautiful thing. Grandpa got his beauty sleep. What about tonight? He said, no, you're going to want to budget four hours for tonight. And I did. And I'm glad that I did not fall asleep on that one because you just never know when a championship sporting event, let alone any sporting event, is going to deliver something like that. That's not something you want to get up the next morning and say, I went to bed and missed that. Like It is so much better in this day and age of where things are on demand. Stranger Things 2 comes out tomorrow on Netflix, and some people will binge that entire thing as quickly as they possibly can. Others will enjoy it when they want on their time. I've got 14 shows on my DVR to catch up with, and I live in an on-demand world. We podcast this show. You can listen to it on your time. We send it to you. You subscribe in iTunes and Apple Podcasts, ESPN Syracuse, and we send you the best of the show, and you listen on your time when you want. Nice little plug for the podcast there. In an on-demand world, sports still command you that you have to be ever-present. And thanks to social media and the little, you know, even if you're not watching the game with anybody, you're watching the game with everybody because of Twitter and social media, and you can react to these things and see how people are reacting nationally. All the experts that you follow and all the people on social media that you want to associate with, like they're, they're like your pals now watching these games. Sports still commands the here and now. You've got to be with it as it happens. Now, I want to dive into this a little bit more, and, and ESPN did a great job laying this out here. This is what you missed last night. If you just kind of got up, rolled out of bed, and said, oh, what happened in the World Series? It was 3-1 when I fell. Oh, my goodness, right? So I want to start in the top of the eighth. Brandon Morrow had allowed just three extra base hits all season, all doubles. Bregman comes in, lines a hit in the right field corner. Yasiel Puig dashes over, and I'm reading right from ESPN here, like Superman 
nearly makes a spectacular catch, but the ball glances off the tip of his glove and into the stands, ground rule double, slams his glove down in frustration. Dodgers win expectancy 79%. Kenley Jansen enters with one out. Carlos Correa hits a single up the middle to score Bregman from third. The LA bullpen's 28-inning scoreless streak ends. Let's stop there for a moment. The Los Angeles Dodgers clearly had the best bullpen in baseball. It was just not even a question mark. The Los Angeles Dodgers, when leading after eight innings this season, 98-0, had not lost a game, had won 98 baseball games when trailing, or pardon me, when leading after eight innings. Well, Jansen comes in, top of the ninth, close it out. He'd blown one save all season. Dodgers 98-0 and leading after eight innings. Marwin Gonzalez leads off homers on an 0-2 pitch, only the third home run that Jansen, one of the best closers in baseball, had allowed in his career. It was the first game-tying home run in the ninth by a road team in the World Series since Dwight Evans hit one for the Red Sox in 1975. Said Gonzalez, quote, it was a mistake. He usually doesn't make one. Dallas Keuchel, quote, I was thinking we just need to run, score a run. I wasn't expecting a home run, so that was impressive. But Marwin has been doing that all season. So now it's 3-3. Astros' win expectancy is now at 50%. Top of the 10th, as ESPN points out. Before this game, there had been just 17 extra inning home runs in World Series history. We would see five over the next two innings. Josh Fields replaced Jansen, was immediately greeted by Rockets from El Tuve and Correa that sailed over the fence in left center. Correa watched this and then flipped his bat. Now it's 5-3 Astros. Astros win expectancy 93.5% in the 10th inning. Oh, in the midst of all this craziness, Rich Hills pulled after four innings for matchup purposes, all these home runs, game picks up in intensity after the 8th. The Dodgers are 98-0 after leading following eight innings and blow that, and the best bullpen in baseball blows it, and then a fan just decides, I'm going to leap in the Astros' bullpen in the 10th inning. Sure, why not? Said Colin McHugh, the game was crazy. It was back and forth, one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of, so why not throw that in there too? Yes, exactly that. So now we're in the bottom of the 10th. Ken Giles doesn't close it. Puig homers. Houston's win expectancy is still 81%. Enrique Hernandez ties it up, a two-out single to right. The first Dodgers hit that was not a home run. Said Keuchel, quote, just crazy. We hit two home runs off a former teammate to give us the lead. Then they come back and tie it up. Unbelievable. Said Hinch, quote, this was a hard game to finish for both teams. Some really, really key hits that honestly it's hard to put into one game, let alone one series. Now it's 5-5. Dodgers win expectancy 60%. Top of the 11th. Roberts, one reliever left in the pen. One. Not including Clayton Kershaw. Game three and game four starters, Hugh Darvish and Alex Wood. Brandon McCarthy, who wasn't even on the roster the first two rounds and had pitched just six innings since the end of July, comes in. Cameron Mabin, who had double-switched into the game, leads off with a single to center. Said Mabin, quote, this is the kind of game you dream about, getting the opportunity to play. So I just wanted to get a rally started and take advantage of my chance. So it's 5-5. Astros win expectancy is 58%. Springer steps in. Maben steals second. Said Justin Verlander, quote, 
I was watching George's home run on the TV, the same spot I was watching Marwin's, as superstitious as we are. Obviously, it was extremely emotional, and I was in the exact same spot as George's home run because why not? The inning before we scored a couple of runs, I'm going to be in the same spot. Two-run homer on a cutter. Astros 7, Dodgers 5. Astros win expectancy 93%, bottom of the 11th. Well, we know the rest, right? Astros win. Series tied at 1, final score 7-6, to six, and one of the craziest World Series games we've ever seen. That, kids, is why you don't go to bed. That, kids, is why you stay up. That is why you ride it out. Because sports is the one true thing left that you cannot put in the DVR, you cannot pull up on Netflix, you cannot watch on demand. You watch it as it happens, because there's nothing like it. And we've got more to go here, now we've got us a series, which I think we expected, but for the Astros to steal one back, go back where they have played extremely well through the postseason at home, with a split with the Dodgers. You mentioned some of the names that still have to pitch in this series One of the absolute craziest baseball games. Everything about baseball you could put in there was packed in there. Now, when we get to hot takes, Dallas Keuchel is now fully convinced the ball is juiced, and there were some flaws in that game. And, you know, Dave Roberts, you know, baseball is a sport more than any that relies on analytics and numbers and trends and studies. And I still appreciate the good old gut feeling, the human emotion of the sport, doing something that maybe goes against the trends. Dave Roberts pulled Rich Hill all based on analytics and trends last night and used every pitcher but one that he could. Something tells me that's going to come back and bite the Dodgers. Although, we're at a point where why not use everything you have? Because it's the freaking World Series, right? What an amazing baseball game. And I know we're in an era of best this ever and best that ever, and you know we pay attention all in on something for 10 minutes, consume it, and move on to the next thing. But that will go down in time. That will register. That will stand out, even in an era where things just don't anymore. That's why you stay up. Even Grandpa made it through that one. All right, let us take a break. When we come back, we're going to New York because Joe Girardi is no longer the manager of the New York Yankees. Where do they go from here? Why didn't this work? Why have three managers who led their teams to the postseason been let go, fired, or otherwise moved on from their teams? And whoever gets this gig, you are handed one of... Look, it's one thing if you take over the Nationals. The clock's ticking there, okay? They've got to win now. The Red Sox have a pretty good core, some young players. They're going to contend for a while. That's a sweet gig. But the Yankees, I mean, this, you want to talk about being handed something that you know. This is like being handed the keys to Netflix like five years ago. I mean, you just know it cannot fail. This is like getting in on Amazon on the uprise, knowing what the next five years are going to show you. Whoever gets this gig is getting an amazing gig. We'll talk to our friend John Jastrzemski, WFAN, about that when we come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. It certainly is. Welcome back. Hey, stay tuned because you're shot twice today. Coming up, don't forget, we are going to premiere. Woo! The Ric Flair 30 for 30 Nature Boy. 
We had a big premiere for the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 for 30. Did that a couple months ago. Remember that? We're doing it again. Next Thursday, November 2nd at the Red House Arts Center, downtown Syracuse. You'll see the movie. You'll get a free meal courtesy of us. We'll have a great Q&A afterwards, some prize giveaways. So we are going to give away a pair of passes to that exclusive premiere. You will see it before it airs on television twice today. So hang in there for your cue to call, as we like to say in the business right now. Hit me with that fancy open. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Is this offense, anything? I know you had, had several at Detroit, New England. Do you think you guys have the wherewithal to do that consistently week in and week out? Next question. Thank you. And we're done. That's Cam Newton walking out of a press conference this week. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I was done with Cam Newton a long time ago, but I'm kind of done with this guy now. You, know, you want to give somebody a chance and give them the opportunity to show their true colors. He has. Now, Cam Newton hasn't always had the best teams in Carolina. That guy gets beat up week in and week out. But the fact of the matter is, since Carolina went to that Super Bowl, Cam Newton has regressed as a quarterback. He's 28 years old, and, you know, we're all kind of waiting for that Superman Cam Newton to come back. He shows flashes of it at times. But he's just a spoiled child. You are the franchise quarterback of this team who screams and begs for attention at every notion, the Superman thing. And the he did that really funny commercial with the kid, right? I'm just warming up my arm. And he shows up at every press conference and all these unbelievably just eye-popping fashion people love this stuff, right? These outfits that he wears. But when it comes to just simple tasks, questions and answers with the media, he's, he, he rolls his eyes, he walks out, he necks questions. Remember the Super Bowl thing? This is just suck it up and deal with it. I mean, I know we in the media can be, well, we could be the media sometimes, right? But the way that from the president of the United States on down, and we're just sports hacks, right? But the way that people use the media as this convenient crutch to do things like this, it shows your true colors. The camera's always rolling. The microphone's always on. You know, it's as simple as this. And I still can't believe that people at this level don't comprehend a simple thing. You are not in a room with 15 guys that have microphones and notepads and cameras. That is your outlet to the public. Every time you are in that room, you are not talking to 15 people in a room. You're talking to your fan base. You're talking to the public. You are representing yourself and you're representing the Carolina Panthers. You know, there's ways to handle this. Somebody asks a dumb question, you can roll your eyes and walk out. You can attack. You can, you know, question their credentials. You can, frankly, Jim Beheim does this sometimes. Or you can just kind of laugh it off. Be like, you know, what kind of question is that? It is how you represent yourself when you are in that room. Every single time. It comes with a territory, and it amazes me how... Often this happens. Not to mention Cam was in that room a few weeks ago and the female reporter asked about routes and he's laughing it off like, 
who's this chick asking about football? Again, the arrogance there. It's football. It's not, this isn't chemistry. This isn't rocket science. This isn't, you know, trying to crack some kind of code to get into Fort Knox. They're football routes, out routes, dig routes, deep routes, short routes. How complicated is this stuff? It's sports. It's football. I am so done with that guy. That's hot. And it's not just because I'm in the media and I, look, people in my line of work can be really stupid. And I've called them out and I've pointed it out. I've taught classes on it. Don't say talk about it. Talk about it. It's not a question, right? But wh- what was so bad about this? Is this offense, and, and I know you had, had several at Detroit, New England, do you think you guys have the wherewithal to do that consistently week in and week out? Next question. And they just walks out. Okay. Now, here's what I'll say to be fair about this. Maybe That's they should scale back the access that NFL reporters get. Because these guys are talking three, four times a week, and after a while it's like, what are we doing here again? Right? But I'm just I'm done with that guy. I'm just, he's such a phony. Such a phony. Done with it. The ball's juiced, right? Well, that's not my opinion. Dallas Keuchel, ladies and gentlemen, after that amazing World Series game last night, quote, obviously the balls are juiced. I think they're juiced 100%, but it is what it is. I'm just glad we came out on top. Now, again, this is why I wanted to read this quote. This is coming from the winning team, okay? Houston Astros won this game. Houston Astro, Dallas Keuchel, quote, there are really powerful guys in this league, and they're going to get theirs. But where you can tell a difference is the mid-range guy who's hitting 20-plus home runs now. That doesn't happen. It's not supposed to happen. That's what Major League Baseball wants. They want the exciting two-home run lead, and then they come back and hit another home run, and everybody's still watching. That's what they want. That's what they're getting. Reminder, Major League Baseball this year, 6,105 home runs. Destroyed the single-season record. Can't juice up the players anymore, so let's juice up the ball. There have been some studies done in this. My good friend Dave Bullard sent me a study that I had not seen that was on 538.com, that you know ESPN analytics site. They studied it and basically get balls juiced. So whether you want to believe it's talent, That's hot. it's bad pitching, it's situational hitting, it's the fact that, you know, why were there so many home runs this year? Baseball experts and people we talked to on this show just said mentality change. They're swinging at everything. It's not just that the ball's juiced. It's a combination of things, but the ball is juiced. I don't see how you can't see this. It is. But we don't mind, right? Chicks dig the long ball. We like home runs. We like the, those kind of games that we saw last night. Again, the irony of that is those games take longer. Baseball's too long. I can't stand it. When you hit a lot of home runs and score a lot of runs, seven, six games like that take longer than a pitcher's duel that we saw in game one that took two and a half hours. So we can also be real hypocrites when we talk, oh my God, baseball takes so long. Well, how about a one nothing uh, pitcher's duel? That's boring. Who wants to watch that? Okay. Yeah, it only took two and a half hours. And it's like, oh, I just, I'm going to go over here. You just. <sighs> That's just dumb. Yes, thank you. What's the latest on protest front? Well, here it is. Players could skip upcoming meeting with owners if their unhappiness 
with the league continues. Said to Russell Okun, quote, I'm disappointed that further progress has not been reached on discussions with the league. NFL officials appear unmotivated and don't share the same sense of urgency. Increasingly, the meetings appear unproductive at best and disingenuous at worst. Furthermore, the ongoing disparagement of Colin Kaepernick is a factor, needing remedy for the players and public to feel heard and for real progress to be made. You know, listen, people are tired of this. People are tired and ratings are down. Now, we need to be fair about this. NFL ratings are down, yes. NFL ratings are down from historically high numbers you have to keep in mind and every week you know what six seven eight of the top television shows are not sports overall nfl games nfl pregame shows nfl postgame shows they're down five percent but they're down five percent from record numbers okay there's still millions upon millions of people that watch football they won't stop watching football and the routine of sunday is football is fantasy is red zone will not be disrupted by any of this stuff. But what exactly do you want the NFL to do here? There are people saying, we understand what you're trying to say here. Don't do it during a game. The NFL is trying to work with these guys to get in the communities, listen to their concerns about social activism and everything that's happening out there. And that's fine to do. But it just gets to a point where it's like, the NFL is not going to solve the world's problems for you. And Colin Kaepernick, again... This is the guy that you held in regard to go out there and be the the leader of this of this message and of this protest. Well, you know, there are flaws in how Colin Kaepernick has done it, what he says and how he says it. I mean, the man is talking about protests while wearing a Fidel Castro T-shirt. Can can you recognize the irony in this? Right. We've just got to back off. We've just got to stop. At some point, like, okay, we hear you. We got the message. We'll work with you on this stuff. But can we focus on the football season, please? We are in a football season. Can we play football and work with you guys on this stuff when we're not trying to win football games and do what we're supposed to be doing and deliver the product to the people that consume it? Because if you keep on this path, your ratings are going to go down, which hurts everybody. They're going to go down to the point where it's going to be concerning. You're only hurting yourself. So if this is the hill you want to die on, God bless you. If you want to use your form to do good, I'm not going to discourage you from that. But the more I hear about this and the more we put Colin Kaepernick up there as some kind of hero, I'm sorry, you picked the wrong guy. You picked the wrong form to do it in. That's hot. pissed off a lot of people. And if you keep pushing, we've got other options. Okay, well, I stop watching football. It's going to take a lot for me to stop watching football. The NFL is always going to be somewhat of the king of sports, but the NFL is not happy that a lot of its record numbers are starting to go down because of this. Bad football is a part of it, too. Okay, we're seven, eight weeks in the season. There's been a lot of bad football. We'll see how Thursday night football is tonight. They've actually had a couple of really good games the past couple of weeks, so. You can't discount that in other factors, but the more people hear this stuff, the more there's going to be like, all right, look, I'm done with you. And to say that about football, which seemed to be, you know, what do they say after the financial crisis and, and, you know, what was it, 2008? The banks were too big to fail. A lot of people have felt the NFL has been too big and too popular to fail, but you add up concussions and this stuff and a lot of things that have just been kind of putting a dent in football lately. 
there's a reason college football has been more entertaining and a better product to consume top to bottom this year. Just kind of death by paper cut here. The more these things add up, we're going to five, ten years from now, be like, what the hell happened to the NFL? 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Let me see if I can get a phone call or two in here before we take a break. Uh, programming reminder, before I do uh, talk to Mike here, usually on Thursdays we have the head coach of the Orange, Dino Babers. Uh, we will not have Coach Babers today uh, taking the bye week off this week. Thanks, Brent. Welcome, Coach. So uh, just if uh, you are somebody that tunes in on Thursdays for the coach, we'll pick it back up next week. When they're back at it, getting ready for Florida State, but uh, we're taking the bye week off on that front, just so you know. Uh, let's go to Mike and Matty Dale at 437-7644. Mike, what's up, man? Hey, Brett. How you doing today? Great show as always. Thank you, sir. And I just want to say go Buffalo Bills, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Mike, okay. Mike, we strive for accuracy on this program. That would be your first place. First place Buffalo Bills, okay? Just... All right, very good. Yes. All right, just I want to backtrack just for a second for that last uh, thing you were talking about with the juice ball. Yes. Okay, what the heck, how do you juice a ball? Explain it to me, please, because I'm not the shepherd's tool in the chat. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, trust me, you don't want me explaining it either. I'm the farthest thing from an engineer you'll find. But it's basically how they manufacture the baseball, how tight the seams are, the location of the seams. And I was reading an article, Mike, it's on 538.com, which is ESPN's kind of analytics site. And I'll put the link out on my Twitter feed so people can see it. But the way I read it today and how they studied it is it's basically where the seams on the ball are located and the drag rate of the ball going through the air and how quickly it can, you know, kind of fly through the air velocity-wise to get out of the ballpark and a lot of science stuff that I'm like, there's a reason that I do this for a living and I'm not a scientist, but... Basically, it's how they manufacture the baseball. So I know over in like over, I think over in uh, Japan and stuff. I think the ball is smaller. Are these balls smaller now? That's part of it too, and it's. It, I'd have to look at the exact measurements of it, but yes, the ball is slightly smaller, and there's all these modifications on it, and how tightly the seams are wound, and and a whole lot of stuff. That I'm like, okay, if, if you say it's juiced, I'm just going to believe you. But that's it. People use the term juiced, right? And you think of certain things, but it's a whole lot of science and manufacturing and things that I just, you know, didn't do well in in school. But you know where else I get that from? Pitchers are convinced. Who holds the baseball more than the pitcher? Okay? You get up there, you throw, unless you're Rich Hill last night, who threw 40 pitches before he was pulled. But, you know, Dallas Keuchel's up there. He's throwing 100 pitches a game. Starting pitchers throughout the season are like, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. They know it. They've got that their hand on that baseball a hundred times a game. They know, and pitchers are convinced of it now. Let's see what uh, Dan in Syracuse thinks before we take a break at 437-7644. What's up, Dan? Hey, what's going on, Max, man? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make my case for the next Yankees manager, and um, this is something that hasn't really been talked about and, or is being scoffed at in the media. And that is the fact that I really think that Alex Rodriguez would be make a great manager for the Yankees. And before you laugh me off the air, let me just make my case. And that is uh, number one, uh, as John mentioned, um, he's played in the New York market. He knows what the pressure is like. He knows how to deal with the media. Um, so he's already walked a mile in those shoes. I mean, he, this, and this is a guy who wants to be a Yankee. Said over and over again, he wants to be part of this organization for the long term. And he knows the players. He's been with the young players in spring training and played with the older ones. 
Um, and it's one of the big reasons is his baseball knowledge. I mean, love him or hate him, you can't deny that this guy is in the top echelon when it comes to knowledge of the game. Dan, I, I'm that. not going to laugh off anything in terms of his knowledge. He has remade himself on television. He knows the sport, but they're never going to hire him there, public relations-wise. I mean, we just know that that relationship is fractured, the steroid stuff that went on and yeah, he, he's still working for the team as, a, as an instructor, as you said, but that's basically because they had to pay him to do something. You're right. I think A-Rod would be a great manager. He's just not going to be with the Yankees. There's just too much tension between those two right now. And on that, we have to break. We'll be back. Thank you. Bye-bye.